Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. This podcast takes place on Easter Sunday. And um, we know that Easter, we should know that Easter has everything to do with celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the fact that he's alive, he's alive today. And he's not distant from us. He's close to us. He cares for us. And the fact that he lives and he's living means that he's going to at times interfere with our lives whenever we're headed in the wrong direction. That goes for any human being. Jesus is alive and he cares for us so much that he will actually get in our way whenever we're headed in the wrong direction. And so I want you to really consider the implications of Jesus, uh, his life, and the fact that he lives today and that he cares enough for us to interfere and intervene in our lives when necessary. Acts chapter 9 has everything to do with Easter. Um, You know, what does it mean that Jesus is alive? What does it mean that Jesus is alive? In other words, how does it help you? There's, there's actually a legitimate help to you that Jesus is alive. And today I'd like to show to you and prove to you through Acts 9 that it is a good thing that Jesus is alive. Woo, thank goodness. I mean, take a deep breath of relief because if he wasn't alive, your life would be totally different than what it is today. Totally different. Whether you believe in him or not, by the way. <laughs> All right, so just a couple of, of introductory scriptures Uh, before we get into Acts chapter 9, but Acts 1, verses 3 through 5, it's speaking of Jesus says, after his suffering on the cross, after his torture, after his beatings, after his, the, the terrible things that he suffered, he presented himself and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He was alive. He proved it. In fact, we see another another scripture. It says he appeared to over 500 people over the course of 40 days after his resurrection, giving many convincing proofs that he was alive. Some of these will actually show you right now. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of heaven. And I won't read the, the, the rest of, of the scripture here. But then if you look over in, in Luke 24, verses 36 through 48, we get a little bit a broader picture of what he did to prove that he was in fact alive. While they were still talking, these are the disciples or a group of believers, Jesus himself stood among them and said to him, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, just like we would be too. If somebody just appeared all of a sudden here in front of you, you would be freaked out. There's no doubt about it. You would, you'd be scared. It'd frighten you. Okay, so he appeared in that fashion. And they thought they'd seen a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. In other words, where the, the nail scars were. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. Did you know that when you pass on, and if you're a Christian You've given your heart to Jesus. God is going to give you a glorified body. The the, the word speaks of this, a glorified body, a tangible body, a new body. For any of you that looks in the mirror and doesn't like what you see, hey, guess guess what? Things are going to get better for you. (laughs) Things are going to get better. He says, look at my hands. He says, touch me and see. if, If I was a ghost, I don't have you wouldn't have flesh and blood as you see that I have. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while uh, they still did not believe it because of the joy and the amazement they had, they asked, um, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? <laughs> this is straight from the Bible. All right. He said, do you have anything to eat? And so they gave him a piece of, of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence as convincing proof and evidence that he was alive. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. In other words, the Old Testament. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah, in other words, himself, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. In other words, you have seen this. This is what turned these people on, set them on fire to change the modern day world is they saw a risen Jesus, a living Jesus. You can't be a Christian or a Catholic really genuinely without believing in the risen Lord, the risen Lord. Why else would you go to church? Why would you be religious if you don't believe that God exists and that he's alive and present? And that he cares about you. And he's not distant. He's close to you. So what does it mean that Jesus is alive? What's in it for you? <laughs> what, what is good about this for you? Well, let's start reading in Acts 9 and make our way through this today. All right, so in Acts 9, uh, there was this guy. And we've been, if you haven't been here and this is your first Sunday, uh, we've been going through the, 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 the book of Acts. And we're in Acts 9. And there was this man named Saul. Now, in the previous chapter, this man named Stephen had been martyred. He'd been killed for his faith. And there was a young man named Saul, and he was standing there as they were uh, <laughs> executing Stephen. And all the people who were executing him had laid their cloaks at Stephen's feet, excuse me, at Saul's feet, indicating that Saul was totally in favor of killing this Christian named Stephen. And so now we take up from that story and we see what Saul was doing after Stephen was martyred. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, against the new Christians, it's just a month or two since Jesus had, had, had died and was resurrected. So this was a, a new, fresh group of believers here. Yeah, he went to the high priests, the Jewish high priests there, and he asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any that belonged to the way. Now, the way was kind of the name of the Christian church at that, way, at that point because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So they, they must have called themselves the way, and it kind of got, word got around that thousands of people were becoming uh, followers of the way, all right? So whether men or women, he asked letters uh, to, to find people from the way that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, however, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And the story goes crazy from here. Amazing story in the Bible. And so this light flashes around him and he fell 
to the ground. What happened is Saul ran into Jesus. <laughs> he ran into Jesus. And I'll tell you, the reality of Jesus and his life should, make, should cause us to be in awe. Completely blown away and inspired by the fact that our Lord and Savior, Jesus, he is alive. It affected Saul so much that he fell to the ground. Now, in church, sometimes you'll see even this morning somebody raising their hands, and you're like, oh my word, that's so awkward, so cringy. Why is this person raising their hand? Let me tell you what, when you come into contact with God, a lot more is going to happen to you than just raising your hand. <laughs> I believe when I get to heaven and I see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face, I think I'm going to fall flat on my face is what's going to happen. Because God is real. He is holy. He is majestic. He's the greatest, most inspiring being in the whole universe. And you come into contact with God, something's going to happen with you physiologically. <laughs> You're not going to be able to help yourself. And, and, and if I'm talking, you say you shrug your shoulders. You're like, ah, whatever, Steve. I don't even want to. You need to know God. You need to know God. He is real. He's alive. And so Saul hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, he calls him. God calls him by name. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says something. He says, who are you, Lord? <laughs> I'll tell you what, when we come into contact with God, we're probably going to be asking a similar question. Who are you, God? Wow. I didn't know you were that real. I didn't know you were that great. I didn't know you were that sovereign. And he says, who are you? And I have to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you legitimately know the Lord? And when I say no, as in a relationship with him, do you talk to Jesus? Do you sometimes hear him whispering peace into your soul and your heart? Do you ever feel a little updraft like we talked about several weeks ago where you're just lifted out of your depression or, or your sadness or your obsessions or your distractions, just lifted up and you can breathe a breath, fresh breath of air and you're like, oh, that felt good. You have come into contact with Jesus when that happens. He is real and you can sense him, and you can feel him. Now, should you limit to God to just being something that you can feel? No, no, he's, he's real, he's genuine, and you can know God. And here's another thing the Bible tells us, you need to be known by God. And let me ask you a question right now. Does God know you by name? Does he know you by name? You need to develop a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, he didn't know. He said, who are you? And Jesus introduces himself to him. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. All right. Now, I, I believe and I know that we all have free will. We have the, uh, the ability, God has given us the ability to choose. Choose God and not choose God. But let me tell you what, that does not rob God from his sovereignty. Do you see this command here? He tells him, now get up and go into the city. And I'm telling you, many times God speaks to us that way as well. Get up. 
Stop languishing in all your worries and your distractions. Get up right now and go where I tell you to go. Right? God wants you to stop messing around and start following him. All right? And I was, I, I'll tell you what. We, a lot of times we want to get up, and I've used this example in our church before, but a lot of times we want to get up every morning and say, God, see what I have planned? Here's my list right here. Bless it, God. And God's saying, that's not how that works. <laughs> Here's what you do. Instead, you get a blank sheet of paper, and you say, God, tell me what you want me to do today, and I will do it. I will do it. Allow yourself to be interrupted by God. Allow your busy schedule to be interrupted and take maybe a little rabbit's trail wherever God tells you to go to do whatever God tells you to do. Start putting him first instead of second. God isn't following you. You need to follow God. We're talking about a sovereign God. In fact, we see here, you know, the living Jesus is our commander in chief, right? He's not some magical genie. A lot of people say, well, ask God. He didn't answer my prayers. Shut up. (laughs) You know, that's not how God works. All right. We need to find out what he wants. Start praying what he wants. And guess what? What he wants is what you want anyways. So much of what his agenda is, is exactly what you want. So let's start following him. And we see in all of this that Jesus intercepted Saul. He was going in one direction and Jesus got in his way. He intercepted him and stopped him dead in his tracks and turned him around and headed him in a totally different direction. And I want to ask you in the texts that you get this week, if if you've subscribed to our text, it's going to ask you, I think it's on Tuesday, uh, how is Jesus intercepting your life right now? A lot of us, we can say, oh, yeah, he intercepted me back 30 years ago. I was in the Korean War, Vietnam War. I had an accident, and Jesus saved my life. Well, good. Thank God. What about this week, though? (laughs) What about this week? How is Jesus intercepting your life right here, right now? And jot that down and meditate and think about that. Ponder that. But let's read on in verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. They knew something happened, but they weren't, they weren't the recipients of, of what was going on here. And I, I, I was thinking about this. By the way, these little blue you know, pieces that I've written within the verses, this is straight from my Bible journaling. I read and I write some cool thoughts down. And I, have, I do it actually on my phone. I'm just going to pause here just for a little quick lesson. You know, what's, you know what's as important as the Bible? It's your journal. And this isn't for girls. <laughs> this is for guys. All right? Get a journal. Read your Bible. And write your thoughts down. They're rich. God will start talking to you. And I always say this. If it's important enough for God to tell you, it's important enough for you to write it down. So all this is is just I'm, I'm reading one morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock, who knows. I'm reading in the morning my Bible, and I'm getting good stuff out of it. You can and you should do the same thing. But look at this. This thought came to me. Uh, uh, where was I? I got sidetracked here. Oh, yes. Your relationship with a living Jesus might not make sense to everybody around you. They're like, what? 
what happened to you? Why are you going to church now? Uh, why are you reading your Bible? And you're acting different, man. Why don't you go out partying with us anymore? Is, is something wrong with you? You know what? Your relationship with Jesus may not make sense to everybody around you, and that's okay. Don't worry about it. It may not even make sense to your spouse or your best friend. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You just keep on following Jesus. You just keep having your experiential relationship and closeness with him. And you know what? At some point, that loved one, that friend, that spouse, they might turn around. In fact, they probably will. But don't worry about it if they don't get it. So these people are with Saul. They, they saw something or they heard something, but it didn't impact them the way that it impacted him. So Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. He, he got to Damascus, but it was a totally different way, right? Things, his circumstances had changed dramatically. And I was thinking about this song that we sing sometimes. It says that as we get closer to Jesus, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The things that were important to us before are just not so important anymore right? The things of earth start growing strangely dim in the light of God's glory and his grace. And that's what happened to Saul. His, his eyes, his physical eyes got shut and all the ambition that he had and the push and the drive that he had, all of a sudden it was shut down and there was something new. He didn't know what it was. But everything changed. His perspective changed dramatically. So for three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything, which is, man, that's pretty tough. In Damascus, there was a disciple, though. His name was Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Here's the sovereign God talking again, by the way. Not some mealy mouth, oh, I love you so much, it's going to be okay. And he says, get up. Go, do, be who I tell you to be. And so he talks to, to, to Ananias. He says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, for he is praying. <laughs> he is praying. What? The persecutor, the brute, the vicious, mean person is now praying? What happened? Well, the living Jesus turned that persecutor into a humbled praying man, a humbled praying man. And let me tell you what, when God gets a hold of your life, he changes you. That's the whole idea. In fact, the Bible talks about it, that we need to be conformed into the image of Jesus, not to become deity. A lot of religions, they fall off the track, say someday you're going to be a God. No, you're not. You're never going to be a God. The Bible is very clear about that. But it does say that we can become more and more like Jesus. More and more uh, with joy, more peace, more clarity, more purpose, more direction in our lives, more wisdom, understanding. All the attributes that come from heaven can be yours if you will put Jesus first in your life. If you'll put Jesus first in your life. And so... uh, this, so he has this vision. In this vision, uh, oh, so so God's or God's talking to Ananias, and he says that uh, Saul has had a vision where he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. That's kind of cool, by the way. He didn't say Savior. He said Lord. 
And I want to ask you a question. Are, is, is Jesus just your Savior, or is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your master? Is he the director of your life? He says, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority, and remember this word authority, from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. All right? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. (laughs) This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now look at this. There's the authority of the chief priests. There's the authority of your boss. There's the authority of the government here in the United States. There's the authority of this person, that person. But you know whose authority is greater than all of that is God's authority. And let me tell you what, if we start, you know, we're over here and and what I see and what I can touch and what I hear and what the press is telling me, the media is telling me. And I say, you know what, I am sick and tired of everything I'm hearing and the, the, the would-be authority that keeps trying to pull me in the wrong direction. And you come over here and you start saying, you know what? I'm going to start paying more attention to God's authority. I'm going to start listening more to what the Lord Jesus Christ has to tell me than what I'm hearing from all these other sources. Your life is going to change. And in turn, you're going to have more authority in your life over thoughts that you have or little addictions, secret addictions that you have or bad habits. God's going to give you authority over your own life. And that's a good feeling when you can start making good and wise decisions. You can shut your mouth when you need to shut your mouth, right? And you can turn away and not look at something when you shouldn't be looking at something. God gives you authority, but first you got to come under his authority. Does that make sense? Amen. That's what we need to do. And so here God says, my authority is greater than those chief priests in in Jerusalem. Listen to me and do what I tell you. And there, you know, this is something I see here, especially about Ananias, because apparently he was an elderly man. There's no such thing as a retired Christian. You don't get to 65 and say, oh, I'm going to get my spiritual 401k plan and kick back and go to church and I'm done. No, you're not done. We're never done. In fact, the, the older we get, the more active we should get in doing what God wants us to do. Don't retire. No, we need you. God needs you, and this world needs you. So don't fall into that. In verse 18, immediately something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes. Do you, do you believe in the miraculous nowadays? Do you believe that God still does supernatural miracles, healings, amazing things, healings of the emotions, healings of the mind for those who are mentally ill or struggle with mental illness? God wants to do miraculous things. I'll never forget this, this uh, little, she's a junior high age girl, and I can't remember exactly. It may have happened a little later on in life, but she struggled with, with uh a chemical imbalance. She, she struggled with a depression that resulted from that. And I'll never forget her coming to me and my wife and saying, you know what? From yesterday to today, I stopped taking this pill. And she pulled it out. She said, I stopped taking this pill. I feel better. I feel, well, that's the miraculous power of God healing a mind. God can do anything. And so, strangely enough, these scales fall off Saul's eyes and he can see again. He got up and was baptized. And we're going to have a 
water baptism here in the, ne- in the coming weeks as things warm up a little bit. Uh, for anybody that wants to be baptized in water according to, to how the Bible commands us. But he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples there in Damascus. At once, he began to preach. <laughs> At once, he began to preach. And I can't help but tell the, the testimony of my life. Man, when I was 19 years old, I finally got sick and tired of being this spineless, wimpy follower that just followed everybody, doing the wrong things. Whatever I saw other people doing, there I was right with them, doing the same thing. And I got sick of it. And so I pulled out this book that had all the religions and the different cults of the world, and I just meticulously read through it. I was like, I want to know the truth. I want to find out, is God real? My parents have raised me as a Christian, obviously, but I want to know the truth. And I spent a long time reading that that book. And as I finished reading that book, I said, all right, God, I'm I'm going to give you a chance. I I really hadn't given God a chance. I said, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to get up. It was during during break. I was going to, to college. I said, you know what? For two weeks... I'm going to read my Bible 30 days, 30 days, 30 minutes a day, all right? And I'm going to pray for 30 minutes a day, and I'm just going to see what happens, all right? Just see what happens. I'll tell you what, I felt squat. I didn't feel anything. I read my Bible. I started journaling like I told you about. I would pray, and it was like 30 minutes, felt like 30 hours, (laughs) It's like, man, this is hard. I don't feel anything. But you know what? After two weeks, my life changed 180 degrees. Totally changed. I went from being a weak follower to instantly wanting to lead. I remember getting junior hires. Little, I was 19, so I was getting junior hires from our church. I would bring them over to our house on Fridays, and my mom was kind enough to let them come in, you know. And I started discipling these kids. I mean, night and day, in literally just two weeks, my life totally changed. And I'll tell you what, this is what we see. Saul instantly started to preach. Let me tell you what, if you will give God a chance, God will change your life. He will change your life. You'll be night and day if you will put Jesus first. And so... The living Jesus changes you from your old self into a new self. A much better version of you, better version of you than you could have ever dreamed of. But you know what? You got to leave the old behind. <laughs> you got to leave the old behind. And so um, look at this. This is what he preached, though, in the synagogues. He preached that Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't say, We're serving a dead Savior. No, he is. In other words, he is alive. He is who he is today. His identity is strong, and he is who he says he is. Now, this is what I noticed, is when you meet the living God, you will declare the living God. This whole thing of being worried about what people think, if you talk about Jesus or tell somebody about how God has changed your life, you know what? When you meet God, that stuff just kind of just doesn't matter. I still get sweaty palms whenever I talk to people. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm sharing the living Jesus with people who need to hear about him. And we, we all do. So here's the, here's the deal. When you meet God, he's going to change you. and He's going to make you a braver person. Even, uh, even introverts. I was a complete to- and total introvert. 
And God changed my life. And I, yeah, I'm a lot more extroverted than I was, but I still tend to just shrink back sometimes. And we, there's a lot of us that are that way. But when God gets a hold of your life, you change. You become a braver person. And God wants us to, to be brave. So verse 21, don't worry, we're almost done here. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call him this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Jerusalem or in Damascus by proving that Jesus again is the Messiah. And the Messiah is the chosen one. That Jesus is the chosen one of God. What? To deliver this world, to save this world from the school violence that we see, the, the shootings that we see, the, the abuse that we hear about. Jesus came to save us from all of that. Amen? That's the type of thing that Jesus saves us from. And so after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy amongst the Jews to kill Saul. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on him on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him into, uh, in a basket through the opening in a wall. So look at this. Here's another thing that I get. And I've noticed this. When God gets hold of your, your life, you're going to find people following you. <laughs> you're going to look back. And say, no one was there before, but now i got two or three or four people, and I'm responsible for these people. And I'm going to mentor these people, and I'm going to coach them, and I'm going to show them. If I have this much knowledge, I'm going to give this much knowledge to them, right? I'm going to pour into them. So beware. If you really make a decision for Jesus, people are going to start following you, and it's going to be your responsibility to give them the word of life, man to give them the help that you've received to pass it right on to them. God wants to use each and every one of us that way. So when he came to Jerusalem, he tried. Saul tried to join the Christians, the disciples there, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he had really changed. But Barnabas, and we're going to talk about Barnabas in the coming weeks, but Barnabas, another disciple, he took him kind of under his wing, and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And again, how is that possible if Jesus isn't alive? He is alive, praise God. He still speaks to us. He still appears to us. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Wow. And this is what people do when they conclude Jesus is alive. You'll go do things you've never done before. So Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, that's the Greek Jews, and they, but they tried to kill him. <laughs> and when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and, took him and shipped him off to, to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea and, and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Let me tell you what, a living Jesus is trying to get in your way. If you're going in the wrong direction, he's literally trying to get in your way, to inter interfere, to intervene. Have you ever heard of, of a loved one who's an addict having a family intervention? What happens is the addict is going in the wrong direction and the family gets together and says, let's try to intervene. Let's try to get in the way of this person before they kill themselves. 
All right? And that's what God does to us. He tries to get in your way. When you're going in the wrong direction, your life can get pretty miserable. It can get really hard. And God says, Nuh-uh. no, I'm going to go down and I'm going to interfere with the direction that they're going in. God does that for us, and I'm thankful he got in my way. I'm thankful he turned me around, and I'm thankful that I see other people. God is turning your lives around. Listen to God. Listen to the sovereign God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like for Jesus to be alive. Jesus, your, your word says that you're not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, that all would know you and have the opportunity to have eternal life. Not later. No, eternal life right here, right now. Thank you, Jesus, for interfering in my life. Thank you, God, for intervening in my path and getting me set in a different direction, Lord God, going in a, in a, in a, to a higher place, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, for all the things that you've chipped away at in my life, Lord. I thank you, God. I'm thankful, God, that you turn my language around, Lord. You turn my habits around, Lord Jesus. Lord, you've freed me from numerous addictions, Lord, and I'm grateful, Lord, for your interference. Why? Because you're a living God. You're a resurrected Son of God. Thank you so much that you're alive. Thank you so much for being raised from the dead and giving me the opportunity to also have eternal life. And everyone here, every one of us, Lord, I'm sure has stories, stories where God got in the way. The living God said, no, you're not going any farther. Thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty. Thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty. I want to give you the opportunity. Uh, I was talking to someone this week. And uh, you, you can open your eyes, you can listen to me, and then we'll pray one more time. But here I was uh, with this, this man in, in sick bed. He's at a re- rehabilitation center. And I explained to him, you know how many times I've asked God into my heart and life? Hundreds of times. Does he save me and keep me saved? Yes, absolutely. But I ask him to keep, <laughs> keep saving me. Come on, God, you know, I have another problem here. I have another personality hang up here and what I picture this is what I explained to this man is my life is like a house and there's the front door that I let Jesus in and he's in my living room but he's not in my bathroom he's not in my bedroom he's not in my closet <laughs> he's not in the hallway and I've kept him I've, he's in but he's not all the way in and so I pray Jesus here's another door I am super embarrassed, Jesus, of this closet. It stinks in here. It's a mess in here. And I'm not going to wait to get it all cleaned up because I can't do it. I haven't had any success doing it anyways. Would you come into this part of my life as well? And then there will be another door and another door and another. And God just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into my heart. And I still have doors I haven't opened to him. I, I don't know what they are, but they're there. And God will show me when it's time to open that door. But would you let God into your next door? And maybe you haven't ever let him into the front door. But the Bible says in Revelation 3.20 that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. And any man or woman who will open the door, that he will come in and he will eat with you of all things. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says he will eat with you. 
Now, you can't get closer to anybody than you do when over a meal. And God knows that. He'll come in and eat with you. He'll be your best friend. If you want God to come into the next door or even the first door of your life, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you right now. All right, I see a lot of hands. Open up your, open up your life. It's free. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. I'll pray, but would you pray too? Would you pray too? And, and in, you know, you can have bad imagination. You can have good imagination. I picture Jesus all the time. Picture him at the door and you just opening it up and saying, Jesus, come in. <laughs> come in and every see the light in that room changes. <laughs> the, the furniture gets rearranged, man. It's wonderful. So let me pray, but you pray too, okay? Pray, pray in your mind as you talk to God. Lord, we, Lord, there's several people, in fact, most everybody, Lord, I believe that wants to open up the next door of their life. Some of us, the very first door, we'd never even open the front door, but now we're opening up a first door, a second door, maybe a 15th door, and saying, God, Jesus, Son of God, please come in. Please come in and start cleaning up the messes I have in here. I've tried, God, and I can't do it. I've tried many times to prepare this for you, and it just never seems to work. And so now I'm realizing, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help to help me with with cleaning up my bad habits, Lord. Hallelujah. With with, uh, my worry. I can't stop worrying. I, I try to stop worrying. I can't do it, Lord. Help me. Come into my closet of worry right now. Come into my panic attacks. Come into my anxiety. Come into these crazy thoughts that cross my mind sometimes that I wonder where do they come from? Lord, come into this room and start sanitizing it. Lord, come purify it, Lord Jesus. Come fix what needs to be fixed. Come rearrange what needs to be arranged. Lord, I want to be a new person in you, Jesus. I want to be a new, fresh better version of me, Lord God, and only you can do that. So Lord, I pray for all of us, me included, help us, God. Come in, come in, Jesus. Come in all the way, Lord God, to my life, our lives, and make us more like you, Jesus. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. We thank you for Easter and the meaning of of your resurrection, Lord. Let us be a blessed day, Lord, a blessed week. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.